During the Super Bowl game this year, my three-year-old daughter jumped in my lap with her Play-Doh and her little Play-Doh mode thing. She wanted me to help her and play with her. And so, of course, as any dad, I was, I was glad to do so. And so we got going, and we would take a piece of Play-Doh and press it against the Play-Doh mode. The, the Play-Doh would quickly take the form of the mode as we pressed upon it. If it was a banana shape, it became a banana shape. If it was strawberry, it became a strawberry shape. Uh, but I found something during my playtime with my daughter, that it is easier to get Play-Doh to conform than a three-year-old. I thought I would have more amens than that. Another child came along to play. And Lila wasn't having it. I tried to get Lila to conform to the will of her father. I tried to get her to play nice. Yes, I did the whole thing. Sharing is caring. Didn't work, y'all. She could care less. But instead of Lila conforming to the mode of my will, she, unlike the Play-Doh, wanted to do her own thing. But do not judge the three-year-old. Because if we are honest, we are like her, when it, uh, we are like her, then Play-Doh. We don't conform to the will of our Father easily, neither. Yes, God has informed us of the form he would like us to take, but human Play-Doh does not conform to God so easily. Human Plato wants to inform the potter of the form it would like to conform to, whom I'm preaching to this morning. Uh, God wants us to take on the form of love. Instead, we tend to take on hate. God wants us to be kind, but instead, we mean, I would have added another word, but I'm up here. God wants us to take on more patience. Instead, we take on the form of impatience. God wants us to look out for the interests of others more than ourselves, but instead we are selfish. God wants us to love justice and do good, but instead we love injustice and do bad. God's ultimate goal for us is to conform us into the image of Jesus. We see this back in Romans. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to what? The image of Jesus. What is God's goal for your life? God's goal for your life is to conform you, to shape you into the image of Jesus. Here's the beauty about Christianity. God loves us as we are, but also loves us enough not to leave us as we are. One of my favorite quotes by Brian Loretz. Let me say it again. Here is Christianity. The beauty of Christianity is God loves us as we are, but also loves us enough not to leave us as we are. And you ought to give God praise that he didn't leave you as you were. Because you know how you were, right? You, you, you do remember, right? I thank God that I'm not the same Dexter I was back then. Amen? 
We have been informed about the first part of that phrase early, earlier in Romans. We learned this in the earlier part of Romans that God has justified us. Us, who is us? God has justified us sinners. He has made us right in his sight. God, miracle of justification, makes us right positionally before God. It takes away our charges, and we are considered not guilty. We go from guilty to not guilty. God did that on his own, by his own strength, by his own power, by the working of his son, Jesus Christ. God has positionally made us right with him. We have, been, we have been informed of what God has done in the gospel to save us from our sins. Namely, we learn that Jesus died, but we just can't focus on he died because he actually rose again. And he rose for our justification, saving us from hell and mending our broken relationship with God. And when did he do it? While we were sinners, while we were in our mess, while we were spitting in his face, while we were running away from him, while we didn't want anything to do with him, when we thought that we had it all together. When I was in the dumpster, when I was in my fornication, when I was in my mess, he died for me, God loves us as we were. And we call that good news. And what is news? News informs us of what God has done. We have been informed. But Christianity is more than being informed. It is also about being transformed. That God didn't just save you to inform you, but God saved you to transform you. God's miracle of justification makes us right positionally before God. But this is just the beginning. As God intends to make us righteous in practice. Make us righteous in the way that we live. God wants to move into our lives and change our lives. And Paul tells us today, human Christian Plato, he tells us two things that we can conform to. Uh, the first thing he tells us and warns us, he says, do not let the world mold you. Do not let the world mold you. We are commanded in this verse, be not conformed to this world. The word conform means to, to fashion or to shape. It literally means to mold. What is Paul exhorting us not to do? We are not to allow the world to squeeze us into its mold. We are not to allow the world to make us like it is. We are not to allow this world to dress us up and pick out our clothes. The world wants to pick out our clothes so that we what? So that we fit in. You see, the world's fashion and taste is diametrically opposed to God's fashion and taste. Remember in high school, most of us wanted to dress like everybody else so that we fit in. Nobody wanted to get roasted. No, you didn't want, you know, you didn't want to get, <laughs> you didn't want to get talked about. I know you're holy and sanctified now, and you're a little bit grown. You got some years behind you, and you don't care what nobody thinks. 
But, but, but back in the day, back, back in the day, remember all the money you would spend on clothes. And in and, 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 and the days that you didn't go to school, well, some of y'all like, my mama ain't not, not, it, it wasn't having that. <laughs> wasn't having that. So I ain't going to even say that because some of y'all traumatized. I'm not going to go down. <laughs> but here, Paul is like Christians are not called to fit in. Why? The world system headed up by Satan is opposed to the world headed up by Jesus. The world headed up by Satan is opposed to the world headed up by Jesus Christ. We are not trying to be like Satan, are we? We are trying to be like Christ. Now, many of us, when we think of Satan's world, we think of smoking and drinking and dancing, but that is not what God is concerned about. That is not God's main concern. That is not what God came to deliver us from. Many people misinterpret this text to mean they can't go to the show. Man, I just feel bad for people who ain't been to the show, man. I'm like, all the sermon illustrations at the show. How am I going to preach on go to the show? Got to go to the show. I got to preach. Some people take it to mean they can't celebrate holidays. Some people take it to mean they can't eat pork. Bring that bacon over here. You right. You can't eat pork, but I can. Give me that applewood smoked pork. Bring it right on over here. Some of us thinks it means to avoid unbelievers like the coronavirus. I had to throw it in there. I had, I had to. But there is something far more dangerous and deeper Paul is concerned with when he uses the word world. Watch it. You must understand what it means when he uses the word world. Let's look at this verse again. Do not be conformed to this world. The passive verb conform helps us understand the word world here. Be conformed in this verse is a passive verb, meaning that the conforming is being done to us. Who's trying to conform us? The world. The world is an in, is in active evil power at work. We do not see this power at work until we are born again. We have to be born again by God to, to really see the, 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 this power that's at work in the world. It's like the blue pill and red pill conversation that Morpheus had with Neo. Do you remember the Matrix in this place? Y'all remember the Matrix? What did Morpheus say to Neo? Morpheus said, do you want to know what it is? <laughs> Neo leans in and says, yes. Morpheus says, the matrix is all around us, even now in this very room. That's how he was talking, y'all. And you can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on the television. You can feel it when you go to work or when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. That hurt. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Neo. What truth? Morpheus, that you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, Neo. 
born into a prison. You cannot smell or taste or touch a prison for your mind, Neo. The world that Paul is talking about in this verse is a way of thinking. The world has values. The world has a belief system that we all once believed in. The world has a way of thinking. The world has a way of telling you what to value. The world has a way of telling you what to believe. And by doing so, the world enslaves us. And sometimes we don't know that we're slaves. As the old quote goes, the fish doesn't know that it's wet because all it has ever known is wet. And we don't know that we are slaves to this world because we have always been slaves to this world. The thinking of the world is dog eat dog. The thinking of the world is it's self-centered, self-pleasing, indulgent, indifferent to others. The world says life is all about you. You on demand. Get what you want with whomever you want with and whenever you want, however you want, just don't hurt nobody. Turn on the radio, Neo, you hear it. Turn on the TV and you see it. Go to work and you hear it. Listen to politics, Neo, and you hear it. It is truly all around us. Our minds were once in a prison in the way of thinking like this world, we were slaves to our own lust. God was not important to us. Do you remember the time and season in your life when God didn't mean anything to you? That you could care less about God. You can care less about what God think or thought. You were actually convinced that you were not going to die. Now, I know some of you don't struggle with fitting in. You can care less what people think about you. And in the end, you're resolved that you're going to do you anyways. You pride yourself on can't nobody tell you nothing. The point of nonconformity to you is being true to yourself as opposed to whatever self others may want you to be or think is true for you. No, you can tell what you should make your life. No one can tell you what to make your life out of. You're like Elsa from Frozen. You let it go. You turned away. You slammed the door on the world. You don't care what they're going to say. The cold never bothered you anyway. But here is the issue, Elsa. As Morpheus said to Neo, here's the issue, Elsa. You are born into slavery, and it's not that you're going to avoid the world out there, but the world is inside of you. So the answer is not in you, Elsa. To become the better you is just to become a better sinner. Did you know that Jesus is the only one that has been born into the world, but not born into sin? Jesus alone, all by himself, is the only person that has ever lived, that has ever walked on this green earth, that has been born into the world, but not born into sin. This is why they killed him. 
They killed Jesus because he was free. They killed him because he was free. His mind was free. So that his thought process was backwards to the world. That his value system was backwards to the world. So that when he walked in the room and, 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 and he seen the poor and, and the marginalized and, and he cared for them, that was backwards to the world. So that when he seen the blind man that everybody ignored all his life, Jesus pauses for a moment and gives him attention. And you don't do that in Jesus' society. Jesus' value system was backwards. Jesus came in and he said, and life is not about receiving, but life is about giving. Jesus' system was backwards. He was free. And so they killed him. But they didn't just kill him because he was free. No, they didn't just kill him because he was free. No, that's not why they killed him only. They killed him too because he came to set you free. killed him because he came to get you out of bondage. They killed him because he offered you that red pill. We call it the blood of Jesus. And the world knew if you took that pill that you would come alive. You'll come alive in such a way that your eyes would open. You will come alive in such a way that you would be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You will come alive in such a way that those taste buds that you had for sin would begin to die because 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 when Jesus rose up from the grave and with all power in his hands with all authority in his hands Jesus wasn't just dying Jesus wasn't just rising for himself but he laid down he said no man takes my life but I lay it down on my own accord and then when he laid it down what he had in mind was breaking your chain And he says in the Gospel of John that no servant is greater than his master. That if they kill me, they're going to kill you. And so we are free, but the world doesn't like it. And as Christians, we now enter into a real spiritual battle. I love the way H.B. Charles puts it. He said, Christianity is not a playground, it is a battleground. Christianity is not a playground, it is a battleground. This world systems put constant pressure on the Christian to conform to it. The Apostle Paul tells us what we ought to do. He says, do not conform, but be transformed. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. Look at the verse. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewal of your what? Of your mind. Transform is also used as a passive verb. This means like conform, it is something being done to us. In the Greek, it indicates that the subject is being acted upon. In other words, there are two powers working to mold you. 
The Christian is to allow himself to be transformed by the power of God through Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit dwells in him. When we took the red pill, the blood of Jesus, we were born to a new life and filled with the Holy Spirit. This calls inward action that brings out outward change of our character. That God doesn't just want to change the outside, but that God wants to get down on the inside of you. He wants to get deep down in that part of you that you try to keep hidden from everybody else. He wants to get into the skeletons in your closet. God wants to get all up in your business. God wants to get in places that other people don't want to go. And he still loves you the way that you are. So it's okay to let the light of Christ in because it's enough light that has enough love to love you just the way that you are. Who's transforming us, church? God is. You ought to get a bit of relief there. That the power to change is not contingent on you. That's what I love about this verse. Because, because, because it's, a, it's a passive thing. So, so it's something that, that, that God is doing to me. Because Lord knows, left to myself. Do I got some honest people in here? Left to myself. Left to my own power. Left to my own vices. Dexter Harris ain't transforming Jack. I'm going back to the same slump that I've been to. But I thank God that he put a power down in the inside of me. A power that's greater than the world. A power that's greater than sin. That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power at work in me. That's miracle working power. That's unending power. That's unmeasurable power. I wish I had some folks in the room that experienced that power. You're not the same again. You can't explain it. You can't define it. But you can't contain it. It's been bursting out before you. Oh, that wonder-working power. That power that makes you look up, get out of bed, Drag yourself to the mirror and say, Lord, what's happening to me? You got to check your ID in the morning to make sure that it's still you. That's the kind of power of Christianity. When God saved us, God planned to transform us. It wasn't like God was like, okay, you know, homie, I paid for your sins. You ain't guilty. Your charges are dropped. You free. Go and do what you want to do. Is that what he did? No, that's not, that's not what he did. And see, we focus on how the cross frees us from the penalty of sin. But very rarely in church do you hear people bragging about how the power of the gospel frees us from the power of sin. That was at work in our lives. And this is what nothing new. When you get to the New Testament, it's not like it's something that God finally came up with. Okay, cool. I'm going to die for their sins, but I don't know how they're going to change. I don't know how they're going to transform. I don't know. You know, I did my part. Now, it's your part. Y'all ever heard that? God did his part on the cross. This is bad theology, guys. Okay? So if you believe in this, I'm going to encourage you 
to drop it. I'm going to show you in a minute because I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to take the word word for it. Y'all like how I did that. That was real good. I should say it again, but I don't even know how I just said it. But anyways, here it is. That you hear God did his part, sweetie. Now is it your turn. God saved you from sin. Now it's on you to overcome sin. That's bad theology. That's bad theology. God didn't just save you from sin, but he freed you from sin. The Bible says that he shall, he shall save his people from their sin. It didn't say that he may do it. it didn't say that, he, that, that, that it's a possibility that he'll free you. But the word says, whom the Son sets free. Is free in what? Is free indeed. Here it is in the Old Testament. I promise you scripture. Here it is. And I will give them one heart. In a new spirit, I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them the heart of flesh that they may walk in my what? My statues and keep my rules and obey them. Okay, let me pause. Let me pause. Sophia, I better explain this. That God saves you as you are, and then as he saves you, he puts his spirit inside of you. He puts a new heart inside of you, right, in order that you may walk in his ways. It's not that the law was bad. The law was good. The issue with the law was the law didn't have power to make us do what God wanted us to do. So God said right around Matthew, forget it. I'll become a man myself, put on flesh, kept the law, and in keeping the law and dying for our sins, he pays for our sins, but he also pays for a new life, and he also pays for a new heart, and it belongs to you because it's paid in full for you. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Jesus said, didn't just die for your sins. He died to purchase you a new life and a new heart. This is why when we get saved, we say things like, I was blind, but now I, oh, he got you some new eyes. This is good. I used to love doing that, but now I do this, I used to, this is, this is, this is that save kind of language going on here. I used to walk in darkness, but now I walk in light. I used to love money, but now I'm generous. These are all expressions of us being transformed by God. It doesn't just say he saves us from our sins, but he transforms us from a sinner to a saint. Listen. Christians will change. Christianity is not a you might change. You will change. You are going to change. It is going to happen. It is not optional. It is going to happen. Greater is him that is in you than the one that is in the world. Now, the word transform gives us the English word metamorphosis. It describes transformation a caterpillar goes through to become a butterfly. Did you know that the caterpillar and the butterfly are the same creatures? 
What happens when the caterpillar enters the cocoon and later emerges is that the part of the insect that resides on the inside is allowed to be manifested on the outside. But the caterpillar doesn't become a butterfly overnight. Because some of y'all know y'all ain't no butterfly. <laughs> some days you're a mosquito. Maybe a beetle. But you ain't no butterfly all the time. Every now and then we see a butterfly wing. Maybe the mom might not see a wing. You know, we don't know what we're going to get out of here. The Christian life involves constant change and transformation until we conform, not to the patterns of this world, but to the image of Christ. And why do you think God gives us trials? Why does God give us trials? Welcome to the cocoon, Christian What does he say? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and what? Complete, lacking in what? Nothing. God designs your trials to change you and to bring you into the conformity of Jesus. Human Plato is not easy to form, and so God got to crush you. He has to break you down in order to make you what he wants to make you. Some of you know that you are hard-head something, but God got to whoop your tail sometime to get you to see that his ways are higher than your ways, that he's higher than you, that he's better than you. God is breaking us of the old mold and reshaping us into a new mold. The caterpillar literally becomes liquid in the cocoon. The entire caterpillar is broken down and reshaped. The butterfly and caterpillar are the product of the same egg. They possess the same gene, the same genome. And so although caterpillars and butterflies look and act different, it's the same caterpillar made new. Let me give it to you the way the scriptures do it. Here it is. Hold your shout. Put your seatbelt on. We're going for a ride. Here it is. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. I thought I would have got a shout there somewhere. I say, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. He is a what? A new creation. What's gone? The old has passed away. Behold! The what has come? The new has come. Y'all playing with Christianity. Y'all don't get Christianity up in here. Y'all think it's just a set of rules. Y'all think God died to give you a new uniform. But God came to do more than that. God came to change you from the inside out. It is the only religion that's going to set you free. Because Jesus didn't come to give you religion. He came to give you a new life. Did you know in order to be able to become the butterfly, the caterpillar has to fall apart completely? Caterpillar has to fall apart completely. I need to pause here. Christianity is no joyride. Christianity is not for the faint at heart. Uh, Christianity is not what we hear in America, that when you believe in Jesus, all of your suffering goes away. Christianity should not be marked by the square footage of your house. Uh, Do not count it a surprise when you go through trials. The caterpillar must fall apart in order to become what it needs to become. It decomposes down to its very essence. It's the void of any shape or consciousness. It literally dies. There is nothing left 
of it. And from this liquid essence, the butterfly starts to put itself back together again from scratch. I'm trying to preach to y'all. God's going to break you all the way down. He's going to break you down to, to there's no shape left. There's going to be moments in your life where you're going to wonder whether God is still walking with you. There's going to be moments in your life that you feel like you're a complete mess. There's no shape to the situation. There's no explanation to the situation. God is at work reshaping and rebuilding you. Uh, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, but somebody put them back together again. I came to tell you that you may be broken in pieces. The trial may have messed you up. It may have have ripped you apart. But I came to tell you that God, your father, is in the business of putting you back together again. Emotions may be all over the place. The job may be all over the place. The marriage may be all over the place. But I got a promise to you that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. God is going to put it all back together again. But when he puts it back together, what will it look like? Because you know that you got your own blueprint of how it should look. You got your own Thoughts on how God ought to put you back together again. God, if you don't mind, me right here. I I, I made a list for you, God, on how I'd like to be put back together again. I knew you had to send me through the trial, and that's all good. I'm not going to fight with you. You're sovereign. You're you're God. And by the way, I got a list for the kind of wife and husband that I want as well when you put me back together again. I've got some things that I want you to do. And so we know that when the caterpillar comes out of the cocoon that it looks like a butterfly. But by the time God gets done with you, you won't look like you want to look. You're going to look how like God wants you to look. And when God gets done with you, you ought to start looking more like Jesus. Good God Almighty, you ought to start having some more patience in your life. You ought to have some more love in your life. You ought to have some more giving in your life. You ought to have some forgiveness in your life. Do I got a witness this morning? I'm talking about God to give you grace to become like Jesus. And we celebrate it. Oh, yes, Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. Yes, I want to be like Jesus. Do you? I mean, I'm I'm like, like for real. Like, I mean, do y'all read about Jesus? Uh, 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 Yes, and no, I want to be like Jesus. <laughs> can, can, can I just be honest this morning? Uh, sometimes I want to be like Jesus and butter up. Sometimes I don't want to be like Jesus. <laughs> you serious? I got to forget him right now. You won't be like Jesus, don't you? Go on over there. Go on over there. But God, I want to be ugly right now. Do, do, do. Go on over there. Maybe you talking about you won't be like Jesus. Go on over there. Are you talking about I got to love my enemies? You said you want to be like Jesus, did you? Go on, take your tail on, on over there. Welcome to Christianity. Where it is a call to die to yourself. Where it's a call to fall apart. And to say deep down in your soul, when you get past religion, when you get past the cliches, when you get past just coming to church, and deep down in your soul, you say, not my will be done, but your will be done. You have become liquid in the cocoon. 
God has broken you down to your very essence. Not my will be done, but yours. The word says, and we all with unveiled faces. Come on, Hannah. She taught it so well. Beholding the glory of the Lord. Y'all got to come to Bible study. This, I mean, oh my goodness. Uh, I ain't going to even preach it as good as she taught it. Are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. First John says, when we see him, we shall behold his glory. We shall be like him. Oh, the joy of being like Jesus. He is the height of beauty. He is the essence of goodness. We want to be like a whole lot of things. But it is not until you know him that you want to be like him. Because there is none like him. You remember the little song, right? I want to be, I want to be, I want to be like Mike. I wish I had some Christians that are reverse that song and say, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be like Christ. Because he is beautiful. Well, the question is, Pastor, how do we become like Jesus? Well, Paul says this. By the renewal of your mind. Let's bring it together. The world is trying to get us to think, believe, and value what is what it values. But God wants us to think, believe, and value what Jesus thinks, believes, and values. Ultimately, the Christian is about having the mind of Christ. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We are transformed by the renewal of our minds. We must understand as Christians, we have been set free. Whether we live fully free or not is not the final authority. And what I mean by that, if God says that you're free, you're free. And that your behavior does not have the final say-so. God says that you're free, you are free. But we at times, we slip back into slavery, do we not? You know, the hardest thing about getting a slave free is not physical freedom. It's psychological freedom. When the slaves were free in 1865, the hardest part was getting them to believe that they were free. And when you don't believe that you're free, you continue to act like a what? A slave. And what God has to do is renew your mind so that you start living and acting like he has already declared you to be. Christianity is not about getting free. It's coming to grips with the fact that you are free. That's what's going on. We are not trying to kill sin. Sin was killed on the cross. We're trying to believe that sin is already dead. 
This is how you get free. Remember the children of Egypt, of Israel, when God let them out and he spread the Red Sea and he got them out of Egypt. What was the issue God kept having with them? They kept going back to that slave mentality. And God took 40 years in the desert trying to re-regulate their minds so that they understood that they were free. So that they would become what he had already declared them to be. So that as Christians, we are working and pushing towards getting in line with what God has already said. And the way that you do that is you got to renew your mind. Well, how do I renew my mind? You got to be in the Word. You got to pray over it. You got to meditate on it. You got to saturate yourself with it. You got to remind yourself that I'm a child of God. You got to remind yourself that I've been bought by the blood. You got to remind yourself that sin will not have mastery over me anymore. You got to remind yourself that I've been born again. You got to remind yourself that I'm not a selfish human being anymore. You got to remind yourself that you're not a liar anymore. You got to remind yourself that you're not a thief anymore. You got to remind yourself that you're not what people said that you are. You got to remind yourself. You got to wash yourself in the word. And as you begin to wash yourself in the word, the power of the word begins to help you walk out that which God has called you to be. This is the beauty about his word. And the more you do it, the more you wash yourself in it, the more it gets down on the inside. You'll get that joy you've been looking for. You'll get that peace you've been looking for. Because when Jesus gets down on the inside. Okay, okay, okay. So we come to the word. We wash ourselves in the word. What is happening when the word is entering our mind? What is happening? What is happening as you read the word, as you study the word, you're beholding Jesus. And when you behold Jesus, you become like Jesus. Okay, y'all not with me. Let me help you out. All those who wanted to be like Mike, they begin to dress like Mike. Because they were beholding Mike. They wanted to jump like him. And when they jumped, they used to do something. What did he do? He stuck his what? He stuck his tongue out. Folks that can't even dunk get their tongue stuck out, but they can't dunk. Why? Because they're trying to be like Mike. When we get in the scripture, we behold Jesus. And we be, when we behold Jesus, we want to be like Jesus. And so all of a sudden, when we get in situations where we would have responded with impatience, we respond with patience. We stick our tongue out at Satan. You didn't know that God's been changing us, that God's been transforming us. You thought you had me, devil, but God is down on the inside changing me. And so through the word, God is helping us to see Jesus. And when we see Jesus, we become like Jesus. But hold on, God gave us something else. When you were born again, you were not born just by yourself. You were actually born into a family called the church. I thank God for the church because what the church does is the church is different angles to help you know yourself because you need somebody to tell you about yourself. Come on now, am I preaching the truth here? Because, because the reality is, is that you are the biggest liar to yourself. Yes, 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 you are. Yes, you are. You will lie to yourself. And you will tell yourself, oh, I can handle this situation. No, you can't. You can't handle the situation. No, you can't. You can't. You can't. You, you, you can't. 
Go to your, go to your brother in Christ, man. She's been tripping at the house, dog. Brother, I didn't see some things in you that needs to change. You need that. And God uses all of these things to do what? To make us become what he has already declared us to be. Let me say it another way. When you were born again, God planted the seed of the word inside of you. And through trials and through the word and through prayer and through, the, and, through, and, and, and through communion with the church, what is happening to that seed is that it's being watered and it grows up and you become who God wants you to be, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. But we got to be careful because although God has set us free, we're tempted to go back to slavery. Are we not tempted to go back to slavery, church? This is why the kids sang that black national anthem so beautifully last week. But there was a few lines in there that really stuck out to me. Do you remember what it says? Keep us forever in the path, we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee. Lest our hearts drunk with the wine of the world. We forget thee, shadows beneath thy hands. May we forever stand true to our God and true to our native land. What are they saying, God, every now and again when, when, when things start going good in our life, when we really start feeling our freedom and we really start forgetting and, 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 and we really start to uh, 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 get a little something behind us. Our, our bank accounts get a little cushion inside. Oh, some of y'all have been taking that Financial Peace University class and you've been seeing your money grow a little bit and now you care you got your hair done and your nails done and you're not in the same trial that you used to be you've been working out you've been looking good brother you got braids in your hair you start to begin to feel yourself and God wants to remind us that no matter how far you got you better remember who delivered you out of Egypt and who you ought to give the praise and the glory to true to our God is what we want to be and he's the one that's worthy of it So when we sing Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Light in the Darkness, my God, that is who you are. We ain't just singing that just to sing it. We singing it because he set us free. He set us on our feet, and he gave us a new life and a new heart. And he's called us to worship him.